Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In today's show, Seabass and former Commodore football player Bruno Reagan join me. We talk the Vanderbilt athletic climate. We talk about some spring football and I think you'll really enjoy today's show. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belkin, SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt and Tennessee begin a much-anticipated baseball series on Friday night in Knoxville. Game times for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, respectively. 6 Central, 3 Central, and Noon Central. You can see those games, respectively, starting with Friday on ESPNU, the SEC Network, and the SEC Network Plus. The guest line presented to you by our friends at Bowling Branch. That company was started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. You have heard me rave about Bowling Branch sheets for years. There's a reason for that. They're the most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. They are made with 100% organic rain-fed cotton, and you can see the difference and feel the difference when you sleep on those. And trust me, once you do, you won't want to go back. Don't just take my word for it. Try them yourself. Go to BowlingBranch.com, that's spelled B-O-L-L, enter the promo code VANDY. You can get $50 off your first set of sheets. If you don't like them, you can send them right back and get a full refund. But trust me, you're going to try them. You're going to want to keep them. You're not going to want to do that. So try Bowling Branch sheets today, and you can thank me for that later. All right, Seabass joins me from WNWS. In Jackson, Tennessee, Bruno Reagan, former Commodore who works for us now at VandySports.com joins us. Gentlemen, hope you guys are doing well. Here's where I want to start today. Someone brought to my attention an article that Nick Zeppos wrote, former chancellor. And there's this is going to come full circle because I want to compare it and contrast it to the new chancellor, Daniel Deermeyer, who continues to do, I think, terrific things for athletics. But... I don't know if you guys got a chance to see the thing at InsideHigherEd.com, but my goodness. Nick Zeppos, the reason I always had trouble respecting him is I just felt like he never told the truth about stuff. He he would change his message to suit his audience. Never told the truth is strong. That's not how I meant to say it, but I I never felt he was very honest in terms of what he was thinking, where things were headed. He would tell one group of people one thing, Tell another group of people another thing. Um, I, I got yelled at for years, saying I was too hard on him. Uh, now this thing comes out. Bruno, you took a look at it. Seabass, you may or might may not have. But I just look at this and think, this just sums up what I thought of him. Say one thing to one guy. Say another thing to another. And, oh, by the way, hire, a chant, or hire an athletic director. Tell him he's got carte blanche over the whole thing. Uh, and apparently you were never pro-athletics all along. I, I'm just amazed when I read this. I mean, I'm not amazed. It's it's kind of typical of how he was, but I thought, man, what a what a contrast from Nick Zeppos to Daniel Deermeyer. Bruno, I'll let you start. It's uh, From the looks of overviewing it, it looks like a guy who didn't like the game, so he just decided not to play, right? What do I mean by the game? The game of athletics, you know. He, in the article, he talks about the hidden costs of um, of athletics, and then he goes into detail. And he honestly, he does he brings up, like, a few, like, decent points in, returns, in, in terms of, like, he's like, the NCAA, you know, it's all coming full circle. Like, they're going to have – because the players been ju- – produce a, ju- a majority of the of the compensation that you know it's only a matter of time before like that that bubble bursted and he he like is revealing what we all know you know the fixed cost of like being a good ac- athletic program at the same time of being like you know an academic institution and how universities go around and it seems like in the article he just he was he was listing his grievances and in terms he's just like it kind of gives you the idea that he didn't like it and he didn't want to play the game. And that was kind of at the expense of Vanderbilt athletics at the time he was there. 
See, but I, I think the playing is the key word because oh, yeah. I think there's a oh, difference in playing. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think there's a difference in playing chancellor and being a chancellor. Mm-hmm. I think Daniel Dearmar is being a chancellor. I think Nick Zeppos played one. It's yeah. like playing one on tele- on playing one on television because what I know about a chancellor is that a chancellor's job, he's entrusted with the whole brand, not selective parts, which, you know, what suits him at the time, because I remember watching him in front of all of us with balloons in the air, gold and black balloons in the air, and all the donors in the building, and, you know, hallelujah, and praise the Lord, and here we go, and we're going to give you, and everybody remembers it, because everybody quotes it all the time, because it makes me sick to hear it, but I hear it all the time, rocket ship, rocket ship, I didn't say that, did you say it, Bruno? Wasn't you, wasn't Chris. It was the same person writing this article. Nick, did you forget that you said these things? That you were on tape saying these things? You know, I don't want somebody, I'm glad he's gone because I don't want somebody playing Chancellor. And Daniel Deermeyer is clearly not playing Chancellor. We have a we have we have a real one. And you're seeing you're seeing the results of that uh, in a and by the way, in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and that's the thing. Just be honest, right? I mean, I actually thought he had some fair points in his article, but when you're so disingenuous so much of the time, I just kind of throw your opinion aside. And, and the thing that I kept thinking, Seabass, as I read that is, how would you like to be reading that if you're Malcolm Turner? Because I'm thinking, here you are, you probably know when you hire me, you're on your way out, and you just you just set me up to fail. You, you've created this culture at the school that is not going to support athletics, you throw me into this position and you tell me, hey, the keys to the kingdom are yours. Do whatever you think. Spend whatever money you want. I think at that point he knew or had to suspect he was about to be gone. Uh, By the way, I I don't think that was entirely his choice. Uh, But if I'm reading that in my Malcolm Turner, I'm just thinking I never had a chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... It's not exactly the way that I thought the situation was entirely, but we're starting to see more and more now that, that that's absolutely the case. And, boy, you think about it for a second. Poor Malcolm Turner, man. I mean, he. I think you just put it the right – you phrased it the right way. That dude never had a chance. It, the, thing with, the thing with Zeppos in this article, and it just reeks of something like if you go to Vanderbilt or if you're at least around it, you don't even have to go there, right? But if you're around the area, it kind of reeks with that higher education of I'm better than you and I know it type, you know, because there's and I only I only bring up this point because um, Zeppos writes in the article, you know, he's kind of listing his grievances. And then he mentions, you know, journalists and he's just like, it's a big LOL. They're kind of, you know, just um, we're all just, you know, instruments of the of the athletic military industrial complex is what he calls it. And we engage in cheerleading and he's we're part of the reason that, you know, there's this lack of compensation, which relates to race and inequality, inequality, which in recent years has been called out, you know, more time, more than it ever has been. So I, I don't know why he thinks he, you know, he's inventing the wheel with this stuff. That's these are the things that it's going to bring up issues with people. But I guess now that he's not in, you know, a real position that that we cover, I guess he can find this is probably him being actually honest for the first time. Yeah, it was dripping with self-righteousness. Um, yeah, but 100%. And that's higher education in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm it not is. Here, I'm, not here to, I'm not here to say that higher education is bad because it's it really can be a positive thing for people. But it also brings on that, you know, that ego aspect. It brings it out of a lot of people. There's, I mean, some of the, some of the PhDs that, you know, I, hey, people my age are like just now you know, qualifying their, their PhDs, like they're, they're applying to, you know, enter those programs. And there's some of the, like, they genuinely care, but you never hear about those people. You only hear about the ones that are the loudest in the room. Right. Yeah. And, and I worked in higher ed for a long time. I've got a master's degree. I, at one point I there thought about go. trying to get a doctorate <laughs> and teach. I'm not anti higher ed, but let, let's call let's call it for what it is. Um, it's just, it's just so the thing that I hate about Vanderbilt, okay, and this is what I think the Chancellor is making better, they just have been so disingenuous. Just just be honest with this. And, and that is what I really respect about Daniel Deermeyer. The thing that I hear 
from everybody who talks with him privately, whether it's a, a public thing, a private thing, he has been consistent from day one. He has never wavered. He has never changed his story. And my goodness, that athletic community, that university needs that. Absolutely. Listen, I didn't, I didn't talk to, or I didn't, he, I didn't know anything about Zeppos like five years I was there. I've learned more about Deermeyer in like the what? Or what has it been? Four or five months he's been here since I've learned about Zeppos. You know, I saw him once when I was driving to practice and he was just, he had like a little security, security team around him like a hundred yards away from the facility. That's the only time I ever saw him or heard about him. So and it kind of gives you the, you know, the idea that they could have always made this stuff that Deermeyer's making happen, happen. They just didn't want to. It's kind of the deal. But think about this, Chris, because here's the, you know what language we're not hearing anymore. Not to say that those people didn't or don't exist. We're just not hearing about them right now. But all we've heard about is, well, you know, being handcuffed and all these people, and a lot of them you don't even know their names, and some you do, and they're never going to allow this to happen. And, you know, it doesn't matter who you bring in here as, as chancellor because they can only get so much done. That that may be true, may have been true. I don't know, but it sure doesn't look like it. It sure like it looks like to me that it needed some direction from the very top, which is what we've gotten so far. That was they were this thing was just waiting for somebody like this guy to take the reins and do what should have been done a long time ago. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by Jody Jones DDS. Jody is trusted for his creative design, and he is committed to both the aesthetics and function of your smile. He provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one dentist in Nashville for cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Dr. Jones treats his patients in a spa-like atmosphere. He's worked with artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years. He's dedicated to providing first-rate results to all his patients. He doesn't compromise quality, so patients can be assured they are getting a high level of care. Visit Jody Jones DDS. You can find him at 55 Music Square East in Nashville. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a current football booster, and we thank him again for making this season of the podcast possible. I look back now, you had a few last gasps by, I think, the academic faction at the university to, to kind of get control. And I think that um, I think that the grabbing of media relations was one that bunch maybe snuck in under the wire <laughs> before he'd been there too long. But the messaging... And everything has just changed so much. Really, I mean, from the end of football season on, from the minute they got rid of Derek Mason on, for the most part, it just seemed like it's seems like it's almost entirely a different university. You know? Yeah, because all of a sudden, everybody has everybody seems to have a different mindset. You know, that's and that's kind of what I'm talking about. You got one guy, and I mean, look, it took more than just him. I understand that, but you know. You bring a guy like this in, and now, like you just said, all of a sudden, everybody has a different mindset. Everybody wants to be on the same page. Everybody wants to see these programs achieve, you know, and it's that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, you know, it can't be as simple as one man, can it? You know, I don't know if it was or not, but... My understanding was that Zeppos was sort of a Martha Ingram creation, that she was the one that sort of handpicked him for the job. Um, and the diversity and inclusion agenda was her big thing. And it just seemed like from the minute that all happened, that was kind of the school's agenda, the entirety of his tenure and a little bit of spillover afterwards. It just seems like now you've got hey let's let's take athletics and make it for what it's supposed to be about uh let's talk about winning games and some stuff like that i mean the messaging itself has even changed but it just seems to me like just the whole the whole ambiance around deermeyer has been completely different than it was 
around Zeppos. I, I don't know how else to put it. Top administrators, it's all a game to people, right? And I think, or at least, I mean, we were talking about this earlier before the podcast, Chris, right? Like, these are people and their careers, and they play the game. I mean, we all do it every day, right? We're all trying to constantly progress or advance. And kind of when you do that, you know, you kind of pick a faction of ideals, and that kind of gets your foot in the door. And then that that precedes every decision you make from then on out because that's, you know, that's the card you've played. So when you have a guy like Zeppos in his background and we know his motives, you know, is it all of a sudden just going to change one way or another? And you say, what's the effect of one guy can have like just one guy. I mean, if it's the chancellor, a pretty big deal. I think when you hear things like, you know, like the criticisms of coach Mason or other programs, they're just like, you know, Oh, we don't get the support we need. We don't get the support we need. Well, maybe this was, maybe this was like, you know, the starting point of it all. Yeah, and I still think there's a little bit of a, I don't know if it's fair to say, hey, let's keep some of this on the down low, but everything that I hear is that he wants to be involved if his coaches are putting up with a bunch of nonsense, if that makes sense. And In other words, mm-hmm. if you guys are running into problems somewhere at that school, let me know because I'm, I'm serious about not playing around here. Yeah. And, and that's the best thing that you can possibly hear. I mean, I am sure that he has to play the game to some degree, but the thing that I really appreciate about him is that I just feel like he's sincere. And it has been so long since I feel like I've seen that out of Vanderbilt. And I just, it always angered me because I felt you guys deserve better. And by you guys, Bruno, I mean, well, I mean, Bruno, you, you people like you who played and, and guys like Seabass who, you know, spend money and time going to the games. I'm just like, Thank God for some honesty for a change, right? Yeah. I mean, watching the program die as fast as it did, you know, it kind of just basically jumped off a cliff at terminal velocity. Like, looking at that UNLV game was pretty heartbreaking. Um, And it's unacceptable, and someone has to answer for it. And at least, you know, Deermeyer wasn't here, but he's going to make sure, like, things like that, you know, don't happen again. From And he's about everybody, man. It's not about just the players. It's about the fan experience, too. It's about – um, it's it's so easy to – Especially, it's so easy to navigate the press in athletics if you do it the right way, and it's a lot easier to navigate the Vanderbilt press, man. If you put in any effort, we're all we'll all stand on, you know, we'll stand on both feet and just clap our hearts out for you, right? So, it's going to be interesting to see in the next, like, you know, two to four years if he's not like forced out for what he's done, uh, for not being, you know, pro higher ed or whatever. Like, if he's if he's the guy, type of guy that, you know, he's doing all the things Nick Seppos is complaining about in this article. It's going to be interesting, you know, what's next for the program if we start seeing success. It's going to be interesting if the, he is successful, if the football team is successful in the first two years, you know, do we come back and do we say this is where it all started, were, were these changes right here? And if so, does the university can never go back on it, right? They can never, like, downtail, because then athletics is going to be tied with the success of the of the chancellor. So that's going to be every single chancellor from here on out is going to have a standard that they have to rise to at athletics, right? And then you can point to the money up, money aspect of it and say, here, here, and here, and here's why it's important that you invest in athletics. And Deermeyer set the standard kind of deal. Well, people can get upset over him committing to athletics, but this is the truth. I think that you learn a lot about him from how he has led here. And just saying, hey, we're going to do the right thing. If we're going to have a team, we're going to compete. If we're going to compete, that means this, this, and this. And I'm sure that he knew that that was unpopular on his campus. But, man, that's what leadership is about. It's about trying to do the right thing. And I feel like just from the glimpse that I have gotten from him through athletics, I I have to feel like they got a phenomenal chancellor just without knowing anything else. Well, I just wonder, you know, why why does Vanderbilt – why does it seem like we shy away from athletics at a time? Because you're in the heart of Nashville, Tennessee. Like, let's be honest, it's just a part of the culture. Like, people, people love baseball. People love basketball. They die over it. The SEC, they die over SEC football. They get tattoos every year, you know. Why can't Vanderbilt be a part of that, be a part of that culture? And why can't the university profit from it? Why can't it be a good thing? That's right, because the y'all, I think about Chris. Now, I mean, I think about y'all, Bruno, the guys who are, and gals who are out there have done all this and, 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 and literally put their bodies on the line for these things. But, and y'all is us too. I mean, I'm, 
you know, I didn't go to school there, but I, I guarantee in the, in the life of my Vanderbilt fanhood, I've been telling how many games and how many thousands and thousands of miles I've dri- driven and hours and hours of, that I've driven. And I, I know I've spent at least a hundred grand in, in the line. And I, I know that's nothing to understand that, but you know, it is to me, you know, and, and you yeah. know, I, I've got, this, I've got, I've got the emotional and financial equity into this thing too, man. And so, you know, I, you know, I, I think, you guys, the athletes and the ones who went there and of course us on the outside looking in, you know, we actually have something that uh, it's, it's like the misery has bound us together, you know? <laughs> and, and, and so this is the, for the first time that I can really remember. It seems like, you know, cause it's great when you get a nice coach or two, you know, here and there, it, like with the James Franklin's and all that, but you knew for sure that if the, at the top of the university, it was it was it was it was going to be the way that it's been for so long that any type of success was just going to be ephemeral anyway, you know. I mean, it, it didn't matter who it was, and it didn't really matter uh, the major sport. The truth was, it wasn't going to last. It was temporary at best because we were never going to do the things it took to keep them, you know. And that's another thing that I think these facilities, you know, and the actual commitment uh, to going out and doing this makes us a much more attractive brand to the type of people that we want coaching our teams. Yeah, man. Vanderbilt Athletics is a sleeping giant. I mean, it, I mean, we've already baseball's been rolling for the past few years, and I've seen what basketball can be. Basketball, basketball's had a peak for for a few years before I got there. I mean, it was a it was a pretty big time program. And then football, we all saw what James Franklin did. I mean, those South Carolina games to start off the SEC season on Thursday, the South Carolina, the Ole Miss, those games. I mean, they're those are games that could have been SEC class. They were amazing games to watch, just unironically amazing games. And there's so football when you do it as long as you know, we have a, a lot like just watching a game is cool sometimes, but it's hardly memorable. But those Vanderbilt games are just memorable, man. It's like a it's a top 20 program if we want it to be. It really is. And it can be that for a long time. Um, but we can also see how far <laughs> how, how sick of it people can get too pretty quickly, because listen, being an athlete there is cool and all right. Obviously, we we if we want to have a measuring contest like the athletes there obviously invest the most but fans you know you give your hard-earned time and money it's not something that it's not something to be taken for granted either and it's something that was totally taken for granted for the the past four or five years or so and i don't blame anybody for you know not coming basically i mean that's the only way to get your message across is those empty stands and it took and after that you know someone just said this is enough yeah, I I feel like the school's the point where it's finally starting to put away all the stuff that creates the storm clouds. You know, I mean, yeah, there's some people, there's some changes I would make sure, but you get to the point to where if the chancellor means business and he's in charge and he's honest with people and he means well, I feel like that all comes out in the wash one way or the other at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, the truth's always revealed in the end. Uh, we see that with one right now. Yeah. And, and I think that, to, to me, pull it, he, he could not have made three bigger statements than he's made than pulling the trigger on two coaching changes and $300 million. I mean, that's just... it. it like I said for a long time, to, to me... The thing that Vanderbilt needed to do was start taking away the things that that everybody rightfully used against them. And now that you have cleared away the underbrush of that, uh, it changes changes the way everybody looks at them. It changes the way people talk about them. It changes the way people feel about them. I, I just don't know why it had to go on so long and get to this point. Maybe it's the game he likes to play. And man, I'm not trying to throw Deerheimer. I'm not trying to badmouth him either. I'm just saying maybe this is the game he likes to play. There are different games you play. You mean Zeppos or? or... No, Deermeyer. Okay. He likes playing the athletics game. He likes doing this because 
Because I'll give you an example. I had a professor, my it was my my second to last semester at Vanderbilt, and he would just come in class, and he was old, and he had tenure, right? So he didn't care. And he was just always like, man, we got to – these meetings are the most pointless thing ever. We have 30,000 vice deans, and he's like, he's like, we could lay off two-thirds of our deans, and the university would run just fine. Like, he's like, this sucks. And I'm just like, man, like, maybe Deerheim – so I'm always thinking, like, man, maybe Deerheimer just doesn't want anything to do with that. So he's like, oh, sorry, I'm busy with athletics, you know? He's just – and it's his way out. Maybe that's maybe that's one of the things, too. Maybe he just doesn't like playing that game, so he just plays our game, and it's to our benefit. C-Bash, I'm not going to close... yeah, release the name of that professor either, so he doesn't get you know targeted by the right. teams. But <laughs> but it made sense in my head. I was like, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to do any of that stuff either. So are you trying to say there are other ways to waste university money without it being sports? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it sounds like they do it. it. Sounds like they find a way to do it. Yeah, that's uh, that's I've I've heard that claim before. But anyway, Seabass, uh, I'm going to let you close us out on this topic before I move us into the topic of actual football. Man, I've said what I needed to say. I think we've got the right guy for the job. I'm the glad that Zeppos is gone. Keep on writing, brother. Do your thing. As long as it's away from my school, that's all I care about. <laughs> all right, let's talk football. Uh, Bruno, you're the only one of us who's seen anything out of spring ball. Uh, you've got your ear to the ground. Just give us your impressions. I mean, we're going to get to see – some spring ball. I'll finally get to see the spring game. Uh, you and I will both be there. Seabass might be there. Uh, but just give us kind of your impressions on where things are right now. Yeah, so let's go off the timeline. You know, I go to my first practice and I see, you know, I see that. So the first thing that pops out, you know, that was the infamous 15 minutes. So I got that. And the most, the thing I looked at more most was depth. And, you know, I've been, I've been pretty sunshine pupper on the, on the board recently about like what I've seen, but depth's going to be a huge issue coming into it. I mean, freshmen are going to have to play the season wide receivers had, you know, four or five guys playing. I think most of the fans, I mean, they opened the game up for fans. They didn't care. So props to Vanderbilt. It's not like they're trying to hide anything. Cause they're not, we all know um, they're short on depth at running back short on depth at, um, at wide receiver quarterback and offensive line position is pretty solid at the, then let's go on to the first scrimmage i mean the offense killed it the run game killed it marlo had a bunch of big runs and they were only running inside zone type deals it was very early in the spring it's very early for this staff so it was the most basic of the basic for for the playbook they were throwing a lot of um even in the first scrimmage they were throwing a few blitzes in and the the o-line o-line same story as last year seems really solid in the run game the pass protection needs to get work and i mean big Daddy seals needs to get on the needs to get on these guys because that's that's his career you know he needs to get on that offensive line make sure that they understand what they're doing in the pass protection the running back as well the tight ends but they haven't gotten more than a six-man protection all right other than that offense killed at the first scrimmage then we go to the second scrimmage the one that was open to the public i mean the defense came out and they played really well number one thing you need to know about this defense is their open field tackling looks 10 times better their pursuit looks 10 times better they're swarming the ball and that's something you would we would see it at the beginning of games even with coach mason but they would just fall off so hard towards the end of the game right like it would it's just the the team broke whether it was mentally physically or lack of depth but they played that scrimmage a long time and they was full it was full contact the whole time and they managed to keep to just keep the open field you know secure dbs are playing tight coverage even when they were throwing it up to to chris you know they were throwing they were trying to fit those windows the dbs were tight is it perfect coverage no but there were no busts either defense was the hero of the second of the second scrimmage by far linebackers seemed to be doing their assignments real well there were some tricky things on the edge that i included in my article um where they're going to try and mix up some stuff in the coverage using the anchor position where I think you're going to see a few interceptions because of that this season. Um, but other than that, that's the initial thoughts I have in the 32nd round I just gave. Okay. Uh, just a couple things. I got question wise, uh, maybe a little bit of personnel, uh, <laughs> maybe some scheme here. Uh, first of all, defensively, a name that's, that I've heard a couple of times, uh, which I would love if that were the case, because we certainly need, but uh, it sounds like there's a possibility that we may get some production out of Malik Langham this year. Malik Langham. Now, Seabass, here's the thing. Um, I was with uh, Robbie and Rex Road up in the box 
and I think it was it was Rex Rhodes' first time, and Robbie was there for their scrimmages. Rex Rhodes sits down and he goes, "Oh, you don't know who's who because there's no numbers." So <laughs> when it comes to personnel, you know, I I I know most of how the the quote unquote more established name guys are doing, but other than that, I mean, I pr- I can't really even give you details on um on specific guys. What is the guess the overriding thought if you had to say like what's different about this team energy it looks and, like they're having fun and they want to be out there man there like there go. was some and it was and it, and, it, and in my head it was considered normal to hate practice i mean i went my first mini camp in the nfl you know the coach i was with and i, I not to throw him under the bus either but he was like listen this all sucks film practice it sucks and i was like yeah it does suck and he was like but we gotta do it and we get paid a lot of money to do it right and i was like that's fair but uh if you can find ways to have fun doing anything that, and, and I carry that in real life too. I don't work a job that I'm not having fun at everything. Everything I do with my martial arts studio is based around, you know, enjoying it. Everything I do here is based around enjoying it. Everything I do with radio, I, I you know, I enjoy it and that's why I do it. And that's when you do your most productive work. At least I believe if you're a big fight fan, that's George St. Pierre's number one philosophy. He he's all about finding the fun in it. And that's where you can make, that's where you can make real progress. And now these kids are invested, you know, they're enjoying it. And I, everyone I've talked to personally, I said, man, it's a lot better. They, that's all they say. It's a lot better. It's a lot better here. And that's huge. Well, and that's that's the I number one change. Well, and that's what I wanted to know because the cameras, I mean, you know, the difference between high school football practice and colleges that the cameras are always rolling. But, I, you know, I think some might wonder, okay, uh, how much of this is hype video and, and for Instagram and how much of this is this, mm-hmm. is, this is actually what practice is like now? Yeah, I mean, it, it's open. Like they've, and they gave me the first 15 minutes and then they gave me the 45, but then they open up the scrimmages. I mean, they open up to fans. Like we all got to see, and I saw the fans are all talking about it. It looks, it just looks different. And they're not afraid to show that. They're like, well, look at this product we're giving out. You know, be critical. And it's hard to be critical because we've seen the bottom of the barrel stuff and now we're and now we're like, hey, this is promising, you know. It might be it must be weird for Coach Lee to come from a place, you know, where you're 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 contenders for the dang national playoff all the time, and then you run a few inside zones well and you know, everyone's pretty happy over you. You know, there's no tough questions kind of deal. It must be a weird deal. Seabass, I thought I'd, I'd give you the floor a minute to ask a few questions because you, you're always pretty good at picking up on stuff um, yeah, as a former I, I player. Like Bruno, but like Bruno said, uh, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of things, a lot of questions that people have are are individual player uh, directed, and and as you mentioned, it's kind of hard to do right now. And I and I, you know, golly, Bill, you know, you certainly. You, you, you totally get that, but just from some of the few things that we've read, also saw where uh, it looks like Gabe Judy's continuing, you know, the solid play from last year, which I think would be huge. You know, if you guys, you know, if you think about it, if you look, if you think about guys like Gabe and you know, and and, and Donovan, and 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 some of the guys over the last couple of years, uh, Jalen, that have really started to uh, emerge. I've been itching to have a good secondary, Bruno, for a while now. I've been itching. To have a secondary, of course, it's very difficult to have a good secondary when your front seven has not done well at all. Um, but because somebody's going to come open when you have when nobody's getting home, you know, if there's only one person to truly worry about, sometimes too. But you know, I mean, just look, I mean, it's it's already a hard enough position to play. But when there's not a lot of uh, of urgency up front, your job becomes almost impossible. Uh, so I really, really, guys, I really, the two things I want defensively, I, I want, I want, I want to see a, I want to see a secondary like we've had in the past. Cause we have had some good secondaries, some really solid players in the past. You know, it's not just about Casey Hayward. We've Chris, if you think about it, we could go down the list over the last 20 years. Vanderbilt has had some outstanding defensive backs. They have. And I really want that. I really want that out of this team. And the other thing is, Bruno, I don't want to get bullied at the point of attack anymore. I don't want us to watch. I don't want to yeah. watch drive start off. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want second and one all the time, and they're not throwing the football. You know, I I don't I don't want two plays into the game, and they're at our forty-one. 
you know, and were already behind, and they hadn't even had to do anything. They ain't even had to go off tackle. They're running, you know, you know, leads off right tackle stuff like that, and they're 16, 17 yards down the field where we just get gashed and gashed and gashed with no answer and no real, no tactical response. Uh, those two things just have to stop. One hundred percent, man. And I mean, we won't know until we see. Um, because one of the questions I got, which uh, I was expecting to answer, was: Is this because the offense is bad? Is the offense performing good because the defense is bad, or is the defense performing good because the offense is bad? I mean, I don't think so. But we won't know until we finally line up against another Joe and see how it goes, man to man, right? But it looks like right. their technique's fine. I mean, Chris Pierce is all. He is all SEC potential wide receiver, and they're covering him extremely well. If you saw the scrimmage in the, the second scrimmage, it was just like that in the first one. I mean, they were covering the guy like Ken and Ken and Chris have to have basically a perfect timing execution to complete some passes on these guys, and that's a good thing to see. Boy, it's amazing to see how far he has really come. It was always, you know, solid blocker, make a catch here and there now. But as I said a couple of weeks ago, he graduated to being a real player. And now it sounds like he may be even better now than he was last year. Yeah, I don't – I mean, that's how it is for some guys. It's unexplainable, but some sometimes you wake up and it just clicks for you and maybe maybe you're encouraged to take a bigger role or maybe there's a there's a change in there's a change in coaching or there's a change in something where it just turns on for you and i mean because chris was a guy it's not like any of this is new he could have done this however long ago maybe it was a mental thing maybe it was just he wasn't getting the opportunities but when i saw him rip those guys off of florida i was like that's exactly what i expected when i was playing with him right Obviously, we had maybe there were some guys in front of him that just led to the opportunity, but there's this there's this absolute stud, and he's decided to show up. And better now than never, I've seen some studs never play. They never step on the field, and they disappear. And it's just like, what happened to this guy? You know, I'm glad he's going to get his shot. He got his shot to show some stuff, and now he gets a senior year to build on it. Bruno, I want to ask you, my biggest concern, first-year head coach, first-time play caller, and defensive coordinator who has not – been a coordinator since what like 15 at Georgia State mm-hmm. that's a, a lot to bite off right there in terms of a learning curve how do you think that's coming along uh it looked fine but it's gonna coordinating is a tough deal and it it's a tough coordinating is a super tough job and there are some people that are just man born to do it they're meticulous attention to detail they have a set plan that you know they never waver from and it allows them to perform at a super high level or make less of make more with less i mean something i heard from the grapevine was that they was that the Notre dame coaches were extreme when they played us they like they said that it was an extreme, like they prepared this, the defense that they played for that game all summer. And they thought it was their best defense they ever crafted it. And then coach Ludwig goes in there and we just throw the book at them. Right. And they had no idea what to do. That's just the type. That's just the kind of level coach Ludwig was at when I was there. And I always knew he was at that level, but when you don't have the Joes, you know, you can have the best game plan in the world and it might not work out. Right. So What's Vanderbilt going to have to do? They're going to have to learn quick on the fly, find what they're good at, and just stick with it, man. I mean, it's not the time to experiment. It could be the time to experiment because what are the expectations for this season? In my personal opinion, it's three to four wins. If they get six, you got to give Coach Lee Coach of the Year, SEC Coach of the Year, right? But that's the, that's the kind of thing. And Don't overcomplicate the job. And they say – I say it's a hard job to learn, right? It's – it's all about just finding what works for your team. I think Coach Led was he, was great with that. I think some coordinators try to overcomplicate it too much. Let's see what these guys do. And I mean, it, it looked like it worked well. I mean, even in the second scrimmage, Chris, let's use this as an example. They were working on power in the third practice I went to right before the scr- second scrimmage. They were working on lead stuff, gap stuff, power plays. They run run power. And they fumbled the handoff. The timing was off, right? It looked pretty bad. And they instantly were like, all right, we're not we're not going to spend the time, you know, working that right now. We're going to go to what works for the scrimmage. We're going to treat it like a game. And I thought that was a plus when I saw that from a coaching perspective. I also heard the defensive coaches in the box. Like when we were in the press box, you can hear the defensive coaches screaming and stuff like that. It all seemed like proper adjustments. So I would say that these guys are these guys are in a good position. It lo- all looks very well ran right now. Offense, defense. 
Uh, I haven't seen enough out of special teams to give them a verdict yet, but it looks like the two main phases of the game are being ran pretty well. I just want to, <laughs> this is a contrast. I was in the press box for the Vandy Tennessee game to end the year. And I think as people know, the coordinators is we face the field or to our left and they've got windows, but you can hear, you can't hear casual conversation. I, mean, I say, I say they're next to us. Actually, as we face the field, the PA announcers are in a booth that's maybe 10, 12, probably 12 feet wide to the left of us. And then the coaches are to the left of them. So noise has to travel through several sets of windows. I have never heard screaming and yelling in profanity like I heard that Tennessee game. I mean, it was every play like, you know, F-bombs and probably people throwing. It sounded like like whatever they were supposed to do in that game. Now, granted, that was hampered with the fact that their whole defensive line was gone. But, like, you were hearing guys screaming and yelling before every snap as the play was going after the play. It's like whatever they were supposed to be doing out there. They were doing the exact They, they did it wrong <laughs> pretty much every single play. I mean, I've, I've yep. never I've, – I've been to, I've been to, you know, a couple hundred games in the press box maybe. I, I don't know what the number is, but I've never heard anything like that remotely. Yeah, you know what that means? That means things were not going well <laughs> at all for the program in entirety for the defense. I mean, that was some of the reasons why some of the players left. They were out there just doing their own thing. Everyone was, it was a catastrophe, right? And for what it's worth, I did not hear that. We heard a lot of F words in a good way. They were all like, you know, they were all pumped up, at least the defensive coaches we heard in the box. But so that's a plus, but um, yeah, it's, it's a stark contract between what was going on then and what I what I believe is going on now, what we're seeing signs of now. We won't I don't want to get people too hype because I'll I'll say if I'm if I'm excited, I'll say it. If I'm not excited, I'll say that too. Like when I'm on the show with Zach on Saturdays, I'm like, man, I'm pretty I'm pretty doomish about the Titans right now. I don't think they're going down to like I think their future is looking it's not looking like the peak that they just reached. But for Vanderbilt, I think we're trending up and up and up right now. Yeah, I thought that day uh, there was a 50-50% chance somebody on that staff was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it was, yeah, there was mm-hmm. either, you know, find a way to win or be fired and not feed your kids. It's just, it's a life or death for some of these guys, man. That's how it is. There was a, um, there's a middle linebacker on that team last year who I think still hasn't found a home. Yeah. I mean, the, I was talking to I was talking to a few of the journalists about the portal. I mean, man, it's the worst thing that's going to happen to a lot of kids because they think they're going to find a place. And I'm like, man, you should have just stayed at you should just stayed at your SEC school, right? I mean, if life is really unbearable, yeah. And there's there's guys that you know that know they're going to go. So like Grant, for example, you know he knew he was he was getting offers from everywhere. He's going to get picked up. There's a lot of guys that think grass is greener on the other side, and it, man, it's not. It's not at all. You know. Grant Miller, done? Grant Miller's the only guy that fell forward in that whole deal, isn't he? Yeah, I believe so, and rightfully so too. I mean, the dude's just a solid player, good dude, has no red flags on him. Teams were, and there's always a need for a good center, always a need for a good center. So teams are chomping out the bit for him. Sebastian, you're off the quiet today. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm a little shy. Uh, I'm, I'm a little shy. So. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, a couple more things for me. Uh, now, I know, again, I know it's hard to ask any type of personnel questions without numbers, but is there anybody that's kind of sticking out as like an athletic freak, a physical specimen, maybe more so than they were last year or they weren't here last year? Anybody kind of fit that mold that the other, that the other guys are talking about me, as being physically aggressive? Let me get that. Um, let me get his last name right before – I believe his first name is Wesley. He's the current first team center right now. What's his? I'm going through my notes real quick. Um, uh, Kivo Wesley. Kivo Wesley. Yeah, I thought Hernandez that, was going to end up being their center, probably. Well, he was. Well, I don't know what was wrong with Kivo this game. He could have been hurt. Could have been out, but he wasn't. Um, he wasn't playing. So Hernandez was the first team center. But when I looked at Kivo at my first practice at the second practice there, or it was the first scrimmage, yes. So my second time there, I looked down and I was like, "Is that a Pouncy brother, like in a Vanderbilt uniform?" 
you know, one of those type deals. Like he seemed like a true physical specimen. I've been asking around mm-hmm. about him and they, you know, nothing but good things out of the staff about him. So and they say, you know, he's been given more responsibility. He's taken it. He's taken it. Well, you know, I was really excited about him because I'm watching the O-line mainly. So I'm seeing what's new. And he seemed like the guy to stick Ooh, out him and, him and Hernandez. I was also very in every single write-up I've done. I've been very complimentary of Hernandez. I mean, both of those guys, they're going to be in good shape. 100%. And they're going to be the new kids on the block. They're going to be the guys that make a statement. So is it going to be a situation, do you think, where, I mean, are we going to see the best five offensive linemen that Vanderbilt has uh, out there first? Or, I mean, like in, in this case, they both play the same. Probably, yeah, probably not. Gonna, we probably won't see the Hernandez? best five. And, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I mean, are we going to have a situation where, let's say, they're the two best interior line, but they're both centers? Are you going to both leave them both at center? Is one going to move over? I mean, you pr- you played both, you were and you were better at one than the other. Would you yeah, say? Yeah. Well, well, I mentioned that they might. You know, this gives them the chance to move Drew Birchmeyer back to D line. But Coach Lee is adamant that the offensive line is going to be what carries this team. So the best players need to be on the whole line. But we look at the interior offensive line. You got Cole Clemens and Drew Birchmeyer. Those are staples. So it leaves two guys who are. SEC caliber players in Wesley and in um, Julian who, you know, they're going to be fighting for a position when one of those guys should be on the field. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're quote unquote better players than the tackles out there, which maybe that, that's going to be tough too. I mean, Steen and Ashmore, they're huge. They're big time players too. So I don't know if we'll get to see, you know, the best five players, but it doesn't hurt to have one guy who's ready to go in at all times. I mean, football is a tough game and someone's, I was lucky enough to, you know, be able to play a lot, but it's kind of just all luck at that point, luck and trusting your training so that you can prevent injury because having one, having one great SEC lineman that can play all the positions is going to be huge. I mean, it's great that they're getting him reps at center too, because that's the hardest one to have a backup for. This team seemed to be in better shape right now uh, from a, from a, not from maybe some muscular standpoint, but from a cardiovascular standpoint. Um, I was a huge Dobson fan, so I so there's a bias in me that I should tell you that I'm gonna say no, <laughs> that I'm gonna be like Dobson did everything perfect, right? One of those type deals, but um, it does look like they're carrying because it's this team has it's it's down it's a down team. They have less players, and it looks like they're carrying they're playing just like any other practice, you know, and they're carrying it real well. So maybe there is a maybe there is a positive there. Well, there was, and I, I want to ask you, Dobson's still there. That was kind of a strange move. I'm not, I'm not against it. Um, like I said, I, the people that I talked to were big fans of James Dobson, and I think whatever the problems were, strength and conditioning, fairly or unfairly, the, the people that I trust didn't think that was really his his deal. And, and I mean, he did find it in Nebraska too. So I've always thought the people that I talked to gave him the benefit of the doubt and deserved that, but. Do you know more about that role he's involved in? Because he's on the staff. I think he's involved in the nutrition level. But um, what's your take on his role with this staff? I love it. It's going to be bigger. I mean, Coach Dobson is a guy that – he's a guy in his industry, if you didn't know, that could – he could go anywhere. It's one of those, um, like – I'm trying to find an equivalent for a guy from a football level. But a guy that if he was ever fired or found himself jobless, he'll have a job, right? He's just the certifications he have. I can't even name them off. Like when he told me them a long time ago, I was like, dude, I, but he's like one of the, he's like one of four only mass like masters in his field of certification. Right. It's the dude has the level of knowledge and competitiveness. And he's just a, he's like, you want to talk about stand up dude, a dude that'll tell you what he's, what's on his mind and never lie to you that he's that guy. I mean, there is not a guy who MF'd me more than James Dobson in this world. I was telling uh, the guy who was kind of like watching me like a prisoner. Um, he was asking me what I thought about Coach Dobson. I mean, there's not a guy who came after me more in this world than Coach Dobson. And I love the guy. That's the type of dude he is. So I'm extremely biased towards him. And I think that the fact that the program found a way to keep him and keep a bunch of his staff, you know, even with the new strength and conditioning staff, is a huge plus. And it's not going to be just it, – it's a little bit of nutrition, but he's going to do everything – He's basically going to be an over an overviewer for everything in athletics and every aspect of it from a mental aspect, from, you know, a motivation aspect, from getting to know the kids and just understanding what makes them go. They want him to, you know, figure out a grander scale way to help these guys, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it, it, it certainly does. Hold on one more and we get back to Chris. Um, 
yeah, I really, really love what we've got with uh, uh, with Ben at tight end, but I think there's got to have somebody else step up there. I, I did, I believe I read a little bit about Gavin Schoenwald's name popping up, but uh, would really like to see him and both Diego. Uh, what is it, Chris Lamonica? Lamonica, uh, Diego, yeah, yeah, Lamonica stepping up in that position. Listen, and that's something I can, that can I can attest to. The tight end position has been extremely well rounded this season. I, even outside of Schoenwald being, you know, quote unquote, a backup ish to Bresnahan. Obviously, Bresnahan is that dude, right? The, the dude, he's got a lot, he's got a lot to offer. He can do the blocking, he can do the route running. He's a mismatch on the edge. But these other guys, Justin Ball, um, I don't know the other guy's name, uh, DeCourcy. Like I had to ask about them too because they were going in with the first team and they're performing very well. I mean, it's not gonna. They're not planning on a step down. They want if you're gonna go in there for Ben, you better play at his level, right? It's one of those type deals. And they're answering the call. They're playing very well at the tight end position. Something I failed to mention. So thanks for reminding me. As a whole unit, there's not a single tight end who's falling behind right now. Is there a? Is there a? Is this a full buy-in? Uh, Bruno, because I mean, look, invariably when staffs change, I mean, you, you have people who are I players think, who are yeah, I think set, you're setting their way. I think or you're seeing. The, I think you're seeing a reverse Stockholm syndrome of you know players that were out in the desert. They were dry for anything. They're just out there dying, you know, starving, right? And then in comes the Messiah, right? And he offers them water and he offers them bread, and then all of a sudden you have disciples. I think that's what we're starting to see here. Like we're at, we're we're having a guy who just knows how to do things, you know, who just knows how to knows how to do things the right way. And people are like, "Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I'll go to war with you. If I'm willing to go to war with this for this team that was, you know, 0 and 10 and there was no hope, if we're going to get some if we're going to get some support and some energy around here, say less, you know, I'm all in." I think that's what we're seeing. So you're saying he can turn that into 12 wins? Uh, maybe after some time, we'll see. Hopefully somebody got that joke, but anyway, (laughs) maybe after some time, we'll see. Dude, if he went, if there's 12 wins, I might just, you know, they might, people might light Magoogan on fire. I don't know. 12 wins for the football team. Has that ever been done? I'm going to throw this out there. Somebody that Bruno and I know very well posed this question for the podcast. What number of wins would Clark Lee need to get to be SEC coach of the year this year? I'd say I'd say six if he can win six because it might because I we understand Vanderbilt football more than anybody and six wins after what we saw the past two to three years would just be a complete and utter like turnaround it should not happen right so I say six but most people would probably he'd probably need to you know get eight you know seven wins and then win the bowl game to get SEC coach of the year did my dad ask that is that why you said that yes yes you read oh, okay. between the lines very well <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even uh, I didn't even see him post I know he he called me yesterday about trying to get his account updated so and it, he was just like get my account update, get my account update. so i so i fixed that up for him but um oh you did a shout out to mac yeah. Raven. uh <laughs> yeah that, that dude hey he loves vanny sports more than me sometimes man i'll tell you what he <laughs> comes up to me and he asks. he i was about to i was about to start class and if there's one thing you know about me chris when it's time to work like i get locked in so if you ask me about other stuff i get very annoyed pretty easily so he's asking me he's like did you see who uh vanny's women basketball hired and i was just like no 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 but he's on top of it all man he is on top of it all yeah, I, I may field a phone call from Mac Reagan from time to time. But anyway, um, <laughs> there was something I was – oh, I, I was going to say, yeah, I think the coach of the year thing – I think if he wins five, I think he probably ought to be coach of the year. Now, that's not knowing what else happens. Like, if you pull off a year like LSU did two years ago, I, I think that – to the victors go the spoils, right? But I I think it's hard to give a guy coach of the year when when he goes losing record during the season. So I, I would say six, but I thought it was a good question. It is a good question, and it's it's the most it's a very Vanderbilt question because the answer for us is going to be different for everywhere else. I mean, you know, what is a coach of the year at Vanderbilt? Should it be a six game season? I think it should be. If you win six games, yeah, you're coach of the year right now. Were the were those seasons where Coach Mason? Won six games, coach of the year. Not really, because he, when he first started, he had that steady growth. He had, he had that abysmal season. Then he won four. Then we won six. And then, you know, and so it was one of those things where we were subtly growing. And if he got to eight or something there, but we're coming from such a down year, man. And our roster is so depleted. If you can find a way to make magic happen, yeah, you should probably 
be coach of the year. It, and that's all well, depending on, like you said, what happens with the rest of the conference too. May, may I interject here? I, I was going to say a pet peeve of mine is giving credit to people uh, for rectifying the thing they wrecked. Uh, in, in other words, yeah. if, if, if you take a program, uh, you know, <laughs> let's say, for example, wins nine games uh, and you wreck it to the point it wins three and then you win six. Now, it's, it, look, it's not fair to say, well, he had to win nine games or more. But I, I just think that that's one thing people don't factor in. They, they don't factor in the, the part where you took the sledgehammer to it and got that far behind. And, and I'm, I'm kind of with you on all that. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, that, you, you hit it the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head. There's not a lot of expectation for Coach Lee. There was a lot of expectation for Coach Mace when he got here and to see the product that it was. Because it was a lot of – it was a ton of the same guys that were on those teams. So it really made no sense to anybody, especially the players there. Well, I mean, I say it's going to be hard for him to win if he just wins five, but, you know, they also had the big zero uh, to the left of the dash last year, which has never happened. And so, you know, when when you win no games and you win five, I mean, he might get coach of the year if he wins five. Yeah, well, Jerry yeah. Donato did. <laughs> did he really? He did. Yeah, Jerry Donato was the SEC coach of the year with five wins. Wow. Okay. Well, it yeah, has sure, happened. Sure we have Vanderbilt, baby. Yeah. I, you know what? I better go back and double that, Chris. You might double that, but I'm, I'm pretty positive that's the case that he went, that he went, uh, he won five games and ended up getting SEC Coach of the Year, uh, and, and I certainly understand that. I'm, not, I'm trying not to have a number, you know. I'm gonna know the difference, you know, if I, if I, if I've got a coach, if I've got something in place, you know. You're going to be able to tell. It may not. It may not translate into eight, nine wins, but you'll see the difference, and you'll realize. Well, this is literally now just a matter of fully replenishing and 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 getting the right personnel in here. The plan is in place. The execution's there. They just because as Bruno was talking about, you you still because we're in a conference where everybody has the horses. We're the smallest stable in in the entire in the entire thing. They all have horses. Uh, so us getting horses is great, but those other stalls are always going to have them. So, you know, for us to compete, we're going to have to have those guys. But I mean, even if this team wins three games next year, you'll know the difference in the three win team who is only winning because the personnel is down and the numbers are down as opposed to a team who can't get out of their own way or just completely overmatched, uh, in, 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 you know, uh, not only in between the lines, but on the sidelines as well. By the way, I googled Jerry Denardo Vanderbilt Coach of the Year, and I do not see anything pop up. So, man, hang on, you must be crazy. I'm looking it up. <laughs> oh, so you think you're going to well, get the right answer with technology thing. before I am? Uh, that'll be oh, the day. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But don't wait on me. It's going to take me a minute. <laughs> you, you don't say. Um, Bruno, I'm, I'm going to let you wrap things up with football. We may talk baseball for just a minute if Seabass wishes before we end the show. Sounds good, man. I mean, you know me. I'm, they caught me in middle school for baseball, and I was like, this sport sucks. I'm out. You know, one of those type deals. So, Boomer. I meant Boomer. Good grief. <laughs> I mean, excuse me. I'm sorry. I just read the word Boomer. Uh, Bruno, uh, I'd like to, if you don't mind for just one second, uh, yeah. I would like to speak to to Mr. Chris Lee for for just one second, if you don't mind, under list of accomplishments in the coaching career of Jerry DiNardo. <laughs> 1974, he was an All-American, and in 1991 was named SEC Coach of the Year. Okay, hey. now I see it on Wikipedia. Here we go. It was on that oh, little box oh, to the right side. Go. I was reading the bio. Oh, that's that's a great moment on the podcast. But did I you did you get so. your ESPN app to work yet? Uh, you, you, <laughs> you, remember what, you remember what they remember what they said? Why are you bringing up old stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I expected. Oh, so I can't get no credit. I understand. See what I deal with, Bruno. I've been dealing with this for years. 
Hey, someone's got to keep you in check, all right? Chris gets enough. Chris gets enough of it, so I'm sure he loves dishing it out on you every now and then. <laughs> Sometimes the dog has to get kicked, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, all right, uh, my friend, Seabass, what you got before we leave? What? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> do I have any more for football? Well, football or baseball, I'm throwing it to you to oh, introduce okay. it a discussion, well, whatever topic to... you like before we leave. Well, you know, just real, I'll just real quick. It's not about football or baseball. It's about basketball. Um, one, um, I'm really hopeful and excited. Uh, you know, look, I'm not going to come on here and pretend to be some huge Vanderbilt women's basketball fan that I've go to all the games. That's not the case, but you know, I'll pull for anything Vanderbilt. And, uh, I'm hopeful they got a good one in, 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 in Shay, uh, in Shay Ralph, man, that'd be great. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what she's able to do. I know now that's one situation where I know it's not going to be overnight. Um, but Looking forward to her. And then on the men's side of things, you know, Chris, I'll tell you what, man. I don't know how he did it. I don't care how he did it, man. But getting uh, but, but getting uh, Dort and Shelby, I mean, how huge was that? And then to turn around uh, and, and then get the kid from, uh, from Minnesota, the, the transfer uh, from Minnesota, I mean, I'm not used to this much good news, especially in such a short amount of time. But, you know, uh, those are those can be difference making type of players, you know, and I'm gonna, and what's what's funny is you look at Dort and you look at Shelby both. I mean, and though they are so very specific at what they do. I mean, Dort is just have you, I don't know if you had a chance to watch much film of this guy, but this guy is just massive. I mean, he's huge. He's a he's just a big body. Who who can move around, man, and 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 especially for a guy his size, just a massive get. And Noah Shelby, let me tell you something. You know, we we we've got to have those long range bombers, and buddy, he's got it. He can he can fill it up. When I think of Noah Shelby, I don't think a guy that's sitting there breaking people down, uh, you know, in in transition and 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 and, and just getting everybody involved. He's a guy that's going to find his space. And when he does get it to him, because he's going to hit it. I mean, he's got a sweet shot. And I think these are two areas that really needed to be addressed. Uh, and man, let's give coach Stackhouse a home. I mean, a plus home run. Uh, I know they're prospects, but these are the type of players that Vanderbilt's going to have to get uh, if they're going to turn this thing around and to get both of them and then get a transfer of this magnitude is, is two huge gets for Coach Stackhouse in this basketball program. And it looks like he's bringing in the right people, man, and that's what we have to have. Yeah. Uh, can't argue with any of that. Any Any baseball thoughts? Are you just going to – Hit the pause on that till the Tennessee series. I will hit the pause to the Tennessee series, though. It's funny, you know, it's funny because I got some uh, some Tennessee callers that are kind of calling in, talking Yang about baseball in this series, and <laughs> you know, and right now, I mean, I guess the way it's kind of shaking out, I mean, I you know, I think they have every right to. You know, they're 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 playing well. And what I did tell, I, I, here's what I did say. Uh, I cautioned him about was this. I said, for one, I'll take my chances with Jack Leiter every single time, no matter what, no matter who you're playing, no matter where you're playing, no matter how the team has been playing. And and the other the other one was this. I was like, I told him, I said, you know, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I mean, th- there's two ways to look at Kumar Rocker's last outing. Well, hey, maybe Georgia's figured out a model that you can uh, that you can try to replicate and have success against, or they, by God, better look out because he is never he's gonna he's going to be pretty angry, uh, you know, after that last spot. And then now with for outright first on the line and it being against Tennessee and on the road, I mean, I just have to feel that whatever Kamar Rocker has, you're going to see in this series. So, I mean, Tennessee's more than capable of winning the series. There is no doubt about that. But I think especially in those first two games, I mean, I think we're going to get uh, – I think we're going to get the 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 rocker and, and lighter that we all love and expect. So, you're saying you got Tennessee baseball calls on your show? Now, 
You know, they got something to talk about. They got some. Look, I don't get mad at people because they don't call and brag on teams that suck. You know, you know, for what? I mean, they've had nothing to talk about, but now they do. Oh, I think it's great. I think a Vandy Tennessee baseball rivalry would be loads of fun. I don't know if there's any question about it. You know, there, there's no doubt about that. And and we have a, this is an area right here where we've got really good high school baseball. And, you know, I, I would love to see that. I'd love to stay on the top side of that rivalry if it's all the same to you. I mean, I, you know, it's bad enough that the dude's bringing in, I think they just got their, what, their third five-star basketball player, one who reclassified. So Rick Barnes is just be, just because – the two freshmen are going, you know, to the NBA. I don't think this is going to stop anytime soon. These next three freshmen may be better than them. So, you know, they're obviously going to be good in basketball. If I'm going to, I, I got to be able to at least dominate them in one thing. And, ba- and baseball is that, that thing. So I would, I don't mind them being good. I would just hate to start losing, you know, series on more than one occasion to them. Yeah. I think this is the first time. I felt like it's a possibility that Tennessee could have the upper hand, uh, say, the next four or five years. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but he's recruiting at a high level, and they are the state university, right? So if you get Tennessee fans engaged in baseball and, and win the hearts and minds of kids in his state, um, you know, and he's a pretty charismatic, energetic guy. That's what it takes. Again, I would put my money on Tim Corbin. Uh, just because he's got so much up his sleeve. But I'm just saying, I think for the foreseeable future, for the first time, it's not been predetermined where this rivalry is headed. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, I, that's like I'm kind of with you for the, for, for the first time. I'm not so sure that we're the team to beat in this series. Any parting thoughts before we end the show today? No, I don't have anything else to say to you. <laughs> I really ticked you <laughs> off with the uh, the app comment, didn't I? <laughs> no, we're good, man. We're good. I'm, I'm, uh, and I just got my answer for Saturday. Take lots of pictures for me, Chris. Ah, sorry to hear that. Yeah, me too, man. I really wanted to be there. I really wanted to be there. Maybe you could. Maybe they could do like the University of Memphis does. You know, Memphis University of Memphis comes down here and has a uh, a practice, uh, has a scrimmage. You know, at, right here at Lambeth. You know where where Lambeth was. It's now the University of Memphis at Lambeth. Uh, they come down here, which is literally about two hundred yards from my house, and they come down and have a scrimmage every year. Maybe they could talk and talk to them in uh, Vanderbilt and coming down and doing that for me. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. What else you got? <laughs> no, I've I've got uh, I've got to take my son to baseball practice. So, team does he play for? The Padres. What's the name of the team? Uh they are the Blue Thunder. Their colors are identical to Dodger blue. Uh, their coach is a big Dodger fan, and in an upset, uh, they were allowed to vote on the team name, and that's what the kids chose. Well. I'd rather not root against your kid, but how about this? How about if he does well, but they don't? <laughs> you know, I was silently I hoping we'd be the Dodgers. Dodgers. It would give me an excuse to buy another MLB hat, but um, <sighs> so it went. I got nothing else, young man. All right. Tell folks where they can find you online and where they can find your show. Yeah, that'd be great, man. You can find my show on 101.5 FM in Jackson, 6 to 8 p.m., the Cheap Seats. And I'm on Twitter at, at Cheap Seats Bass. Usually, I, I'm not super active on there, but I, I usually do a lot of Vanderbilt stuff, you know, retweeting and stuff like that. And uh, But I'll, I'll always jump in a good bandit discussion for sure. So hit me up there. All right. Be good, my man. You too, man. He is Seabass. Uh, Bruno Reagan has left us. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll be back with more episodes for you next week.